Hey everyone, welcome to Age of Reason. My name is JC. Today is July 22nd, 2020. And uh, today it's going to be the last show of the season. I'm going to take a break in August because, you know, I have other stuff to do, of course, and I'd like to focus on that instead of doing the show, which takes a lot of time. Uh, today I'm going to be talking mostly about methane emissions. And I think I, I've never done a show yet about methane. I usually talk about CO2. And there's a good reason I do uh, talk about that. I'll explain why later. But today I thought it would be a good chance to, to talk about methane emissions. So first, uh, just for a bit of fun, uh, so this, this uh, meme here, so the Swedish doctor exposed how world governments were going to weaponize the COVID-19 virus back in 2017. So this is a very famous guy and it's kind of a breaking story, a bombshell. Do you, did you believe me? Did you fall for it? Well, congratulations, because actually, no, he didn't. It was just an image on Google and created this meme in three minutes. Facebook is not a news source, neither is YouTube, you fucking potato. And this is so true. And I have a lot of people who, you know, find some meme and they really believe it because it's on the internet. So it must be true. And I'm like, this is really shocking. Um, and this one is actually very important. I thought there's somebody up there who says, oh, so if the CDC says something, do you just believe it without doing your own research? This, this phrase has become so popular these days. Do your own research. But... First of all, he misspelled because already, bad, bad spelling. But anyway, yes, 100% yes. And the reason is, uh, what research can I do as an individual? Do you really think I, I can compete with, you know, major research labs, which have like millions of dollars invested in them? What kind of research am I supposed to do? And I'll give an either, even, even an easier example to understand here. Um, for example, I measure temperatures here every day. Uh, so I can make like graphs and notice the trends, you know. Uh, okay, so I can do this at home with a couple of temperature measurements, you know. But if I need two locations, for example, it already becomes exponentially more difficult because I need to basically rent another place somewhere. Uh, I need to place another device there. I need to, to check it at the same time remotely. Uh, you know, I have to make sure that maybe there's some security is present so the device is not stolen by a passerby. So the, the difficulty becomes exponential uh, with more locations and, of course, much more expensive. So, yes, um, there is a point where we have, look, we have to agree on some kind of basic foundation. We have to, we'll, we all agree that one plus one equals two, for example. If you think otherwise, then you, you ha you're going to have a really hard time in math, you know. You're going to really struggle because you don't have that that basic foundation. So at the end of the day, when we say, you know, be skeptical and doubt everything, it doesn't mean that, oh, I doubt like literally everything. Maybe the green screen behind me is not real. Maybe the desk in front of me is not real. Uh, but look, we have to agree on some kind of basic foundation. We all do. That's why we were able to move forward. So uh, I was actually recently attacked on Facebook. Uh, by Facebook themselves, and this is what happens. So climate denial spreads on Facebook as scientists face uh, restrictions. So I'm not even a scientist, but I faced restrictions because one of my shows, they refused to promote it, even though I paid for it. They refused to because it's apparently going to sway some election, wink, wink, and it's absolute nonsense. Uh, so this is just very quickly here. 
At the same time, Facebook has placed restrictions on one of the country's most visible climate scientists, Catherine Hayhoe of Texas Tech University, and the lead author of the fourth national climate assessment. She has been blocked from promoting videos related to climate research, a move that has limited her efforts to refute false claims. And I know her, I know her work, she does good work, okay? She's not like some kind of cook out there. Uh, Facebook has previously identified Hayhoe's educational climate videos as political, and me too! They did the same thing to me! As a result, they are categorized by the platform as a social issue that requires Heiho to register them by, in part, providing personal information, your personal address, which I don't want to give up either, okay, that she fears could expose her to personal attacks, okay? This is what's happening. This is Facebook, people. So, just on a note here, uh, I really strongly urge people to directly subscribe to my YouTube channel, bypass Facebook, forget Facebook, man, just go past them and subscribe straight to my YouTube. You can do that by clicking on the video and then it will go to YouTube. Please subscribe there. Okay, so today we're gonna to talk about methane and like I said, it's a bit kind of a science heavy show today. So put your science hat on people. This is very, very important for today's show because it talks about molecules vibration. I'm sorry, this is too small here. So I have to look on the other screen. Basically, you have you have three modes here that they propose like you know, vibrations like this way, the other way, and then kind of like this. Uh, molecules vibrate, okay? So molecules that have just two atoms vibrate by simply moving closer together and then further apart. Nitrogen N2 and oxygen N2 molecules in the animation are vibrating in a simple mode. Molecules with three or more atoms can vibrate in more complex patterns, okay? So basically, you can read that in your own time. I'm not going to block it too much here with my hand, but... It says at the bottom here, the bottom paragraph, va uh, water vapor, H2O, and methane, CH4, okay, so CH4 has four components to it, molecules, also have vibration modes that causes them to interact with passing infrared waves. As you might expect, methane and water vapor are also greenhouse gases, but the thing, the, the big difference here is water vapor uh, needs a, some kind of stable state to exist so when wa water vapor when water becomes too cold and it condenses into crystals basically and later we have uh you know rain uh or the the opposite uh we have basically water turning into vapor it evaporates into the air i think that's how you get clouds i'm not i'm not pretending to be some kind of super expert on the on the issue here but anyway uh that's very important molecules vibration and that's why they are greenhouse gases uh, so usually on my show, I talk about uh, CO2 and there's a very good reason for that because CO2 is, is actually mostly in the atmosphere. We, we emit by far more CO2 than any other gas. Uh, and uh, what is very worrying that is that if you go by a historical trend, even if you go 400,000 years ago, you notice that the, the natural peak actually right here is the maximum. It's, it's around 300 ppm, okay? And it's been lower at previous peaks and future peaks, a little bit lower. But right now we have a huge, huge, huge rise, and we're over. We're over 380. This is the maximum on this on this axis here. But actually, right now we we have over 415 ppm, I think. So yes, this is why I talk a lot about uh, CO2. And again, this graph shows it. This is not. Uh, uh, this is from the EPA, I think. This is not an exactly precise graph, but actually more or less, because 
these two are added up, so it's seventy-six percent. Yeah, that's that's more or less correct. Methane sixteen percent. Yeah, and uh, this one. Uh, so I have to get it on this page because it's too small to read. This is a more this is a much more in-depth graph of what I just showed you. So, you, you, again, you can stop the video and read through that, but um, this is from the year 2000, okay? So, bear in mind that this is 20 years old, but I have found another one, which I'll talk about in a second. So, yeah, uh, you can see the CO2 here is 77%. This is total world greenhouse gas emissions, and the methane is, is, is over there at uh, 14%, and then nitrous oxide is... Uh, 8%. So, yes, usually I talk about CO2 that because this is the main culprit. Uh, let's jump a bit forward in time to 2016. And did you think, do you think the graph has changed a lot? Well, not really. Uh, this is from 2016. And you can see that the CO2 has decreased a little bit, but I think this is because the methane share increased. So we have 74% for CO2, and now we have 17% for methane. And the methane here, Okay, so the methane comes mainly from agriculture, uh, livestock and manure, and agricultural soils, uh, you know, like rice paddies, they, they, they emit methane as well. Uh, but it's also oil and natural gas. I think this is uh, over here. This is one thing that kind of gets forgotten in debate because we always kind of focus about uh, farms and the animals, agriculture, like the, the farting cows is bad. But... Uh, the, the fracking is equally bad, and we have many evidence of uh, the gas pipes leaking methane, okay? So, yeah, that, that's happening. And, of course, you know, there's like other land use and uh, forestry as well in there. Uh, feel free to pause the video and, and look at that in more detail. I'm just going to move a little bit so you can pause and have a nice clean picture there. Okay. So today's uh, article, Soaring Methane Emissions Threaten to Put Climate Change Goals Out of Reach, Global Emissions of Methane, a Potent Greenhouse Gas, has soared over the past decade, according to two new studies that track growing sources of the odorless, colorless gas. And uh, this is the picture that they show here. Uh, so again, cows, I think, you know, they like to focus on this. But again, I said we, we have other areas to focus on as well, like fracking, for example. But anyway... Look at this picture. You have cows lined up behind some barbed wire. You know when what happened to when people were like in this situation, when people were in that kind of concentration camps in in Germany, especially. Well, I mean Poland, I should say, but Germany as well. And then uh, in America, we also built concentration camps for the Japanese. You know what happened when when people did that? We went to a world war, literally, to to save people from that. And yet, when 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 it comes to cows. There is a small effort by the vegans, etc. But I mean, really, we're not seeing a major effect. Like people still say, oh, I want my beef. Come on. I think, look, a change is not going to come by itself. We have to change our behaviors. Then change will come. Uh, this is by Dennis Chow. Earth's climate crisis is starting to look even worse than scientists had feared, in part because of just how much meat we eat and how we get around. Global emissions of methane, a potent greenhouse gas, has soared over the past decade. According to two new studies that track growing source of the odorless colorless gas, the increased methane combined with carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases could warm Earth's atmosphere by 3 to 4 degrees Celsius before the end of this century. Significantly above the levels that scientists have warned would be catastrophic 
for millions of people around the world. I would even go further than say millions of people. I would even say billions of people, man. If you sound the alarm, then might as well go all the way, you know? Uh, this completely overshoots our budget to stay below 1.5 to 2 degrees of warming, said Benjamin Poulter, uh, a research scientist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. Poulter is an author on both studies published Tuesday, one in the journal Earth System Science Data and the other in the journal Environmental Research Letters. Polter and his colleagues found that since 2000, the biggest increase in methane emissions came from agricultural activities. Okay, so this is, this is why we do focus on that. This, this is still the main culprit. Particularly from livestock, such as cattle and sheep, and the fossil fuel industry, which includes coal mining, as well as oil and gas production, so fracking, okay? And, of course, the, the leaks that go with it. Human activities account for about 60% of global methane emissions, according to the researchers. Agriculture makes up roughly two-thirds of that, with fossil fuel production and use contributing uh, most of the rest. And by the way, um, this is what I read before, is that in Russia, for example, and Canada, but I think mostly in Russia, uh, there were areas of the, of the land which were permafrost, you know, always frozen. And uh, there's a lot of methane frozen under that ground. So... Now, with warming temperatures, this ice is basically thawing, and we're going to get these, these uh, methane pools, you know, like pools of methane that are going to go straight into the atmosphere. So, uh, natural causes in this case, but man, we could have prevented that by keeping these areas permafrost. In the new studies, uh, researchers analyzed methane emissions from 2000 through 2017, the latest year for which global... Um, complete global methane figures are available and found more than 600 million tons of methane were released into the atmosphere in 2017. Actual emissions, oh as, sorry, annual emissions of methane have also increased by 9% since the early 2000s. A pace that could contribute to more than 2 degrees Celsius of global warming by uh, the end of the century. A report released by the IPCC in October 2018 highlighted that the planet has already warmed by 1 degree Celsius since 19th century. It used 1.5 degrees of warming above pre-industrial levels as a threshold beyond which the effects of climate change, including extreme heat and sea level rise, become life-threatening for tens of millions of people around the world. Another author on both studies, Rob Jackson, a professor of Earth System Science at Stanford University, said the amount of methane released into the atmosphere since 2000 is roughly equivalent to adding 350 million more cars on the road. So, uh, look, I talked about that on a previous show. People are bad with numbers. People really, I mean, you know, even if you find yourself in a crowd of 200 people, it already seems so overwhelming. Just 200 people. Uh, we cannot really picture a million. I mean, even if you go to a concert, let's say you go to a, you know, a big stadium concert let's say it's sold out so you get maximum capacity maybe 80,000 people are there and that that seems very very overwhelming you know like like wow this is a, a huge number of people but w try 1 million man Th this is absolutely unimaginable for for our minds uh, but anyway 350 million more cars on the road in 2017, methane emissions from agriculture rose by 11% from the 2000-2006 average, while methane from fossil fuels jumped by 15% compared to the early 2000s. 
Methane is released into the atmosphere when coal, oil, and natural gas are mined and transported, but microbes also emit it in low oxygen environments. This is probably referring to, for example, these, these Russian permafrost methane pools that I just mentioned. Any place where there is little to no oxygen wetlands, rice paddies, landfills, the gut of a cow, are all sources of methane, Jackson said. Overall, methane makes up a much smaller percentage of global greenhouse gas emissions than carbon dioxide does, but it's of course a particular concern of scientists because methane's molecular structure makes it more readily able to absorb thermal radiation. So CO2, CH4, okay, you got more molecules, you got more molecules vibrating, and that means they can trap the heat much more potently. That's basically the rule of thumb there. To curb methane emissions, countries need to reduce their reliance on fossil fuels, in addition to reducing the number of harmful, harmful leaks from pipelines and wells, Jackson said. But slowing greenhouse gas emissions will also require bigger, cha bigger changes in human behavior, Jackson said. And I honestly, I mean, come on. If you look at the response, human response to COVID-19, for example, basically in the States, what happened was on June the 1st, people said, nah, we're tired. We're not going to do COVID anymore. We're going to do something else. And basically that's, you see a huge explosion in cases after June 1st. There's no surprise there. Look, that's, I mean, I predicted that, everybody predicted that. Now in America, I think they have nearly 2 million infected people. That, that's absolutely insane. Uh, diet matters, Jackson said. Here in the US, we have one of the highest rates of red meat consumption in the world. We don't have to stop eating red meat necessarily, but eating less meat or eating more fish and chicken instead of beef will reduce emissions too. Look, in my case, I don't eat beef at all because uh, I think two years ago now, yeah, about two years ago, I had a horrible, horrible food poisoning from which I still can't recover, by the way. And uh, it was caused by beef that day. Okay, there was a little bit of blood in there and that did it. That did it for me. That I was done after that. So I can't eat beef at all. So I already contribute positively here in the problem. So look, you can eat chicken, you can eat pork, you can eat beef from time to time. You know, maybe instead of eating it twice a week, maybe you can eat it once a week. That's how you start anyway, and then you can progress to maybe eliminating it altogether. And while the coronavirus pandemic is, ex is expected to result in significant decreases in carbon dioxide emissions in 2020, primarily from economic slowdowns and lockdowns that sharply reduced air travel and other transportation, Similar declines are not anticipated with methane. And I talked about that on, on the previous show. Uh, there is a decrease in CO2 emissions, but it's really, really, really tiny, okay? It's gonna be a blip on the graph, basically. Yes, a small reduction, but uh, at the end of the day, we still, you know, we're still all at home and we use like a heater or, okay, now it's summer, so we'll probably use a fan or an air conditioner. Um, I don't really see the, the where the big decrease is coming from. Maybe from less office work, yes, but that that's going to be just a blip, like I said. Our farmers are still producing food, oil and gas production hasn't fallen much yet, and methane plays only a tiny part in the transportation sector, Jackson said. So while we may see a small decrease this year because of the coronavirus, methane emissions over the last decade are much marching upward, and at this rate we won't see peak methane emissions anytime soon. Look, uh, that's it for today's show. 
I there's a lot of science in there. Feel free to pause and you know, like I said, do your own research. I mean, look, you're welcome to do your own research, but you have to realize your uh, your limits. You know, you you're not some kind of multimillionaire who can invest you know millions of dollars in some kind of particular like temperature measurement or something like that. You have to be realistic. So yeah, do what you can. Uh, but of course. Look, I try to double check everything when I do the show. So if you find any kind of mistake or something, then please point it out in the comments section. But I really try my best to, to not commit mistakes. And I also try to make my shows time proof so that if you watch my show, uh, you know, in the future, uh, this is still going to be very applicable because the, the rate of a human change is is really, really slow. It's like turtle pace. OK, that's why I showed these two graphs at the beginning of the show. One was from 2000 and the other from 2016. And there is a change there, but it's so, so small that basically, yeah, things move too slowly. Anyway, I'm going to take a break. Uh, so next month and I'll see you in September. Bye bye.